UX Podcast Episode 108. Welcome to UX Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Genies, genies. Gin, oh, gin, are they ginning us? us. Thank you for ginning us. Um, I'm James Roy Lawson. And I'm Pat Axbom. And we're balancing business, technology and users every other Friday from Stockholm, Sweden. Um, although this isn't really a show week, is it? No. Um, we've got so much lined up this autumn that we've um, decided to bring you our fourth listener phone in as an extra show. Yep. Pretty cool, isn't it? Great idea, James, because <laughs> we just have so many shows lined up. It's, this, is, uh, this is the only, only way it's going to work. Well, we, we, we have these listener phone-ins um, around about every three, well, about three times a year. That's our plan. And a phone-in, for those of you not in the know, is when we actually do a live uh, call-in. Well, people call in. We set a time slot. People can call in. We have a, a solution for that. And uh, we don't know who we're going, we are going to be talking to. And so it's just loads of fun. Any question uh, is, is all right about UX or anything else, really. Yeah. <laughs> and we normally, we normally broadcast mm-hmm. our... We sit there for a few hours and wait for people to kind of chat and call in. Mm-hmm. Um, and during that time, we broadcast that live and we, we rant and babble yeah, the you, whole time. We kind of just... There's a live video, and live video feed of the whole thing as yeah. well. Spontaneous mm. UX chats between me and Per as well. So that's really good fun <laughs> yeah. for people to watch. Now, um, apologies for not telling you in advance on the show that we were going to record one of these phone-ins. Um, the way the schedules worked, um, recording schedule, um, we couldn't fit in telling you about it before we had to actually record it. Um, but if you want to avoid that kind of situation, then sign up for our backstage mailing list because... We do send stuff out via that to tell you about these kind of things mm-hmm. if we don't get chance in the show. And uh, after this, we may actually tell people the date for the next phone-in already, now. Mm. Exciting. Mm. But first, uh, let's uh, play the people who actually called us, which was loads of fun. And uh, they were Heather Burns, Simon Kemp, and Artem Pereversev. UX Podcast is going to be at Interact London 2015. Two days brimming full with inspiration at one of UK's leading design conferences. It's October 20th and 21st, and you can get your tickets by visiting 2015.interactconf.com. Hey, welcome to the show again. Oh, good to see you. Good to see you. And for the benefit of our um, listeners, um, who are you? It's Heather in Glasgow. Mm. And you've been, you've been a caller before, and we've done an interview with you before. Yes, you have. Yes. Oh. Absolutely loved the show this week on imposter syndrome. Oh, thank oh, you. Oh, excellent. We've got a lot of feedback about that, actually. Uh, it seems that a lot of people see themselves in it. I remember having a conversation with somebody about this. I don't even remember where or when it was. But the thing about our industry, whether it's UX or web design or development, is that it's an easy entry. Anyone can just get started. Hmm. And, and dive in and become professional within a matter of months. And maybe do you think that's also the source of so much imposter syndrome? Because you don't hear, you, you don't ever hear doctors saying they feel like imposters because they go to university for what, eight years? 
True. Yeah, and we t- we touched up on that in the um, in the in the show as well. Um, that yeah, I think we mentioned. I think Amy mentioned the example of architecture. Um, how you, you, know, you can recognise the style of a certain architect because you know they've they've their creativity comes through in a certain way, mm. um, and and it's a very distinct um, branch. I mean, you you've learned a trade, mm. whereas we've we're, we're creative, um, but exactly like you say, we we don't necessarily have had to come in through a formal way. You don't have to have studied um, human computer interaction um or been to design school or whatever you call mm. it to, to do a lot of the jobs that we are or you've progressed internally in a company um during the last 15 years i mean a lot of people in i suppose in, in our age group that are now in their their late 30s early 40s then you know we were we were that kind of gang of people around 2000 or the late 90s who were who were kind of pushing for digital stuff to happen and mm. um and, and were the pioneers early on and we've then had career progression that Oh, is 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 special compared to a doctor, for example. You would never, you don't just fall into being a doctor in the same way, like you said. Yeah, I mean, I when I decided to become a professional website designer, as opposed to just doing it the way I've been doing it, you know, on my own, doing favors for friends or in whatever company I've been working for, I did a little certification through my through a local college, and. I, I literally could have stood up and taught the class myself. You mm. know, I knew everything. I was actually so far ahead of the curriculum, but I needed that certificate. I mean, I literally needed that piece of paper yeah. that says, had my name on it, that says, mm. I know these things, I know what I'm doing. And I, ever since I had that, I, I didn't feel like an imposter anymore. And it's, that's so stupid. Hmm. That's really interesting. So it made you feel less of an imposter just to have that piece of paper. Yeah, a silly hmm. little piece of paper yeah. saying that I have sat in a classroom and someone has assured that I know these things. Hmm. And is that where we need to go as a profession? There's, you know, some sort of a list of standards. Hmm. I mean, we and things you you are expected to know I mean, before we... you can call yourself. UX. We we love yeah. categorization. I mean, we we our minds are built on categorization. You know, it's, you know is it going to eat us? Um, you know, can I eat it? Um, so so yeah, the fact that you um, felt better of having a piece of paper that um, labelled you is mm-hmm. is not at all uh, you know, unusual or, or wrong really. And um, you know, we we need that for ourselves, and then. Employer, potential employers or clients, they also need to to recognise labels mm. in order to feel comfortable with the decisions that they're making and 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 how their world is 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 mapped up for themselves. The problem, though, is that in UX we haven't really defined. Still, we still argue about what UX is. Is it a profession? Is it a field of practice? What 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 mm-hmm. what what are we defining? And because so many people are calling themselves UXers, and I think that's actually contributing also, of course, then to the imposter syndrome, is that, okay, so he's a UXer and he can do all that stuff, but am I a UXer because I can't do all that stuff? How do we know? We don't know is the answer because we don't have that certification. There is no, like, mm-hmm. set course program that you can go. I'm actually uh, uh, educating myself into being a coach this autumn. And I'm, I have the same feeling that I'm looking forward to having that diploma in my hand because that also means accomplishing something. 
And we were yeah. actually uh, jabbering about earlier on about making your bed in the morning and getting that sense of accomplishment. Just accomplishing something is is really important, mm-hmm. and that's a big step towards fulfilling yourself and be, being in a better mood every day. And um, when in working in UX, when you don't really accomplish something really on a day-to-day basis either because you're not part of actually developing the solution often you're often just interact doing interaction design or talking to developers but you're not actually building something mm-hmm. uh, but also you don't have a paper saying this is what i've accomplished to be able to tell you this you just sometimes have like i usually do i have this experience i've worked in this field for this many years and now i happen to call myself uxer in certain circumstances but what does that even mean and that's why i tend to feel that i've have this imposter syndrome quite a lot because I, I can hear people saying that, well, you need to know analytics to be a UXer. You need to know that to be a UXer, but I, you can't know everything. No. You can't do all types of interview styling. You can't do all types no. of online testing. You can't do, do it all. It's no. impossible. And that's where I definitely so think... it's a mindset. But that's why I definitely think some kind of standardization or mm-hmm. categorization would really help us mm-hmm. because um, um, I... I was reflecting because I was listening to the the imposter syndrome episode on the way here, and I was reflecting on how um, I think for me anyway, some of the times when it's not imposter syndrome but actually is you know I've been crap mm-hmm. <laughs> is when um, you've fallen into the wrong project because I mean there are that too. This is I think another thing that affects us as imposter. It makes us feel like imposters sometimes is because we've got the we've got the the true imposter syndrome. Well, we don't really think we deserve the credit for what we've done. Then there's the times when, for whatever reason, you've ended up in the wrong project. Yeah. And you you actually really are an imposter. Mm. You're just the wrong resource. <laughs> and you have to somehow get yourself out of that yeah. without, you know, before you fall over. Mm. Um, and that, that, I think, happens to, to a lot of us as well. Mm-hmm. We need to respect ourselves more as professionals and as industries mm. and say that we're worth, we're worthy of some sort of quality control, some sort of standards, and maybe it shouldn't be that just anyone can call themselves a UX or a web developer or a web designer. And there's no right or wrong answer, but I think, again, as I said, you don't see doctors and lawyers and, and people in more structured industries struggling with imposter syndrome. So maybe, maybe we all need to do this for our own health. That may actually be a really, really good point. If we are to be held accountable for the work we do, we need to be, feel confident that we have the tools mm. to be accountable for the work we do. Mm. I wonder, now I'm just thinking about the fact we've got, well, we're seeing in many countries that, like, for example, pharmacists are now doing a lot of work that maybe doctors used to do a few years ago. Because um, mm-hmm. you know, it's often not possible to get an appointment with your doctor, mm-hmm. so then you pop to the pharmacy and and you kind of ask them, oh, what what do you what would you recommend for this or that, and mm-hmm. then they give you some advice. So so there you've got um, a situation where one distinct role, uh, something that you've been educated for the rest of you, you know, for a long time, is starting to blur its its boundaries with another role, that of a doctor, mm-hmm. and and you see that's that is the kind of thing that's happening. Oh. We're, we're not growing into that. We're growing from that where you've got, um, um, you know, product managers or business analysts um, or um, you know, CX people or, you know, you name it. There's plenty of, of, of sister relig- mm. um, careers that mm. um, bump up against ours. Mm. Um, so, so saying, you know, these are the definitions for UX is, 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 would be a very difficult task because we'd have to define the edge of UX. I, I think it actually would have to mean that we sort of leave the terminology of UX behind us 
and move more along to the professions that you were actually saying there, that mm. you're a business strategist, you're a customer experience strategist. Mm. You need to specialize yourself. Just like in the fields of, if you're a doctor, if you're working with psychology, you specialize. And I think we're too afraid to specialize in UX because we're expected to know so much as soon as, as soon as you call yourself a UXer. But some people I know, they just do interaction design, and that's fine. But shouldn't they then just call themselves interaction designers? Brilliant. Well, thank you, guys. Well, thank you, Heather, for calling. Thank you again. <laughs> Hello, Hello there, and welcome to UX Podcast. Hi. Can you hear me? Yes, I can yeah, hear you. you perfectly. So Excellent. For, for the benefits of our listeners, um, who are you? I'm Dan in Sydney, so it's getting late-ish. Really enjoy your show, guys. It's awesome. Thank um, you. Thank you. I only started listening in the last few months. That was one of my first questions was, where do I get all the older episodes? So, yeah. You've already, you already answered that. Yeah, one. which um, the, the, every single episode we've ever done, all the way back to the pilot episode, um, or four years ago, is available on uxpodcast.com. Right. And I, I will at some point get around to, to uploading um, the other 50, was it 55 episodes to SoundCloud. But um, the one thing that's put me off there is that um, you, you, can't, you can't backdate things on SoundCloud. So, so one of the problems I'd have is that you know, I'd basically I'd spam new, new listeners on um, SoundCloud. Mm. Suddenly you'd have 55 new tracks. Um, so it means I'd, if I'm going to do it, I have to do it pretty much just in oh, one yeah, big session okay. and, and pretty much apologize at the same time for doing it. So I've, I've not done it. I've I think you can right. actually just email the guys at SoundCloud and tell them that you have that problem <laughs> and they'll upload them for you. You reckon? Yeah, I think so. Oh. <laughs> Such faith you have, yeah. Pat. <laughs> so um, you had a question for us. Yeah, so my question was I work a lot with um, software that's uh, I guess what you call a consumer off the shelf. So it's you know already been designed to mm -hmm. some degree, mm -hmm. um, and we implement it for customers. I wondered if you guys had any tips on doing UX design in that sort of situation. Like clearly, if you're starting with a blank page, there's a lot of uh, you know I guess you have a lot more freedom when it comes to designing stuff uh, when you're working with a product that has certain limitations, etc. Probably a bit more difficult. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Interesting. Uh, my, my first thought, my first, first thought is a CMS tool. I'm not sure that what type of tools you're work, you're mentioning here, but uh, well, I, I think of more. I mean, I've done a fair bit of work of intranets over the the years, and intranets, it's of course, often yeah. the case that you, people you know, find internal. Whether it, whether it's a time reporting, mm. you know, it could be a time reporting tool. Mm. It could be um, um, social collaboration software internally, mm. or. Um, um, oh, there's a whole myriad of, of well, even um, SharePoint. <laughs> Any of these kind of tools mm. that you buy effectively off the shelf and then customize. Um, mm. I guess that's the kind of um, area we're talking about. And uh, I think a lot of people are gonna, can identify with that who install WordPress sites and buy a theme that they're not satisfied with and try to customize it. Mm. <laughs> it's a lot of the same problems, I think. If I go first and think about... Um, what I've done in the past when I've been involved in rollouts of or implementations of, of um, off-the-shelf software internally in companies, then um, something that I've always done, I think, is um, made myself active in the community around the product, especially when we're talking about the enterprise um, level of things. Um, and, and in recent years too, there's almost always some kind of forum somewhere, or there's a there's a there's a room, um, there's some kind of place where you can actually you know go in and 
Um, I found it to be a really good process to, to air some of the sort of share some of the UX problems I've found during the implementation and when we've actually started seeing real users using them, share them directly back to the company developing the software. Um, because, like you said, Simon, in some of these, um, some of these situations, you're, you're powerless um, with, on the implementation side to, to make some of the changes that users are screaming about because it's off the shelf. The client um, has bought off the shelf because they don't want to build it themselves, which means the budget for customization isn't going to be endless. Um, we, most of us will know that if you, if you want, you can spend every single dollar that exists in the world customizing SharePoint, and you still probably won't get it exactly how you really, really want it. Mm. Um, so so by, by throwing yourself into the feedback mechanism of the vendor, um, that at least feels like you're, you're, you're making some progress forward. Yeah, I like that, because they're not going to change the product based on your feedback or on your immediate feedback. Mm. Uh, I have an experience from actually a tool at school here that the municipality has bought for the schools, uh, which is where I go in to see my kids' schedules and their homework and stuff like that. And it's just awful. There's no accessibility at all. And uh, what I tend to do and what I've done similarly with working with Ericsson when they procured a search engine is I do a video. I do a screencast. These these are the things that I would like to be able to tweak and make better and actually make that screencast visible to other people who also uh, like the product or buy the product, which means that you get a, more people saying the same things because most people probably agree with you, just, just don't have contact with you. Because that community of other people using the same product, I think that's your key to actually be, 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 being able to get enough mandate or get enough people to listen to you mm. to actually make a change in the end. I think another thing I'd probably add um, is when you're dealing, if you're looking to be in a position where um, you're, you, you're dealing with a suite of um, off-the-shelf applications inside an organization, um, then there, you know, you'd... you'd I'd like to try and set some kind of um, standards or at least um, principles that um, you could allow to degrade. So, so you're not saying that these are the things that we insist on being implemented across um, software that's bought in and, and implemented, but we've got kind of you know, priority one stuff. This is stuff that you really should try and customise the, um, the software to, to to do or to look like or phrases to use and so on. Here's some stuff that maybe is nice to have and here's some mm-hmm. stuff that if, if, you're, if you're off-the-shelf software that you've brought in allows you to, do these as well. Because um, if you don't make some kind of standards that you can reuse across other off-the-shelf products inside the organisation, then you're, 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 you're watering down any efforts you do with UX on the um, individual application. I'm realising we forgot to ask you, what do you feel is the biggest struggle when you're trying to implement these products? I think, like you said, the um, the customers bought the product um, because you know bought it off the shelf because they don't want to build it from scratch. So, um, yeah, convincing them that it's worthwhile investing in some UX design to make the experience better for the end users is sometimes difficult because they said, mm-hmm. "Well, you know, we've we've bought it; um, it should be good enough, mm-hmm. right?" Mm-hmm. Um, they expect a certain level. Uh, you know, based on what they've bought already, so that can be that can be difficult sometimes. Um, yeah, and I guess you know it costs it costs money as well to to make these customizations. I'm thinking that maybe sometimes 
you don't even have to make those changes. So there's, I mean, there has to be some fair amount of research in there as well. Sometimes you don't have to change the fonts and the colors, perhaps, to make it fit with the other website presence because it still works. And you have to like factor in that there are costs involved, and perhaps it works well enough. And I'm thinking mostly about time reporting systems. Then mm-hmm. that maybe that's not the type of system you spend a lot of time uh, adapting to the other web presence. But I think, I think um, it struck me another thought there was. Um, Thinking back at some of the systems I've worked with, that the 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 biggest wins are often investing more time into thinking about um, how you're actually using it. So so not necessarily customizing the um, the the software yeah. itself, but um, preparing and documenting the way you were working with it. So you you increase the sta- the chances of of harmonization with usage. Um, if you haven't got the ability mm. to customize, you right. know, make sure you know help your users um, get up and running and 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 follow similar ways so of working. Spend more time on onboarding processes. Yeah. Actually, yeah, uh, I've had a huge success recently with something extremely simple like a ten-step ten process describing a tool that people get into the first, for the first time, and people are raving about it. And it's just ten images showing different sh- screenshots and what you can do with the different type parts of the tool, and that may be is a lot, lot more valuable than actually making sure that things are censored along or the right-hand column is 200 pixels wide or whatever <laughs> whatever it may be that you're actually conforming to when you're following the standards. Another positive thing is that um, in recent times, I've, I've, I've noticed that with, with SAP implementations, that um, the tools available now to make, um, well, HTML um, screens um, for, for SAP implementations um, are, are just light years better than they were just just a couple of years ago um and that's that i think that's a positive for 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 ux in the world because i mean the sap is not going away it it's just too deeply rooted into the infrastructure of certain or larger organizations so so now that we can bolt on you know sensible looking html to to you know the the standard backends that's got to be a big bonus yeah it's it's changed a lot in the last three or four years. Um, SAP themselves have changed their own development process and sort of um, gone to a design thinking methodology, much more user-centered and less focused on business and technology and more you know, more of a mix of what the user wants. Yeah. Um, and you see that in the new software releases that they're, that they're doing, right? So it's good. It's, it's happening. It's, it's filtering into the enterprise. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, like you said, the tools—they're making the tools available to to allow people to um, to create a good user experience. I think. Yeah, excellent. Okay, Sam, thank wow. you very much for thank you for, for calling, calling and joining us. <laughs> and um, sleep well. Yeah, no worries. I can go to bed now. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks for staying guys. up. <laughs> thank you. Bye bye. Listening to the podcast. Great. Cheers. See you. There we go. Oh, fantastic. A reboot worked. Yeah. Well, several reboots, actually. <laughs> really? <laughs> well, I had to. I found that appearing uh, doesn't work when you when you have tried it in one uh, browser, and then you open in incognito mode, and then it, it works. But it didn't work this time. So. Uh, this sounds like the problem I had parallel in the week when testing. Yeah. Okay. Mm, that I had some weird. It sounds a similar issue that it wasn't really connected to the server. But anyway, hello and welcome to US Podcast. Who are you? Hi, thank you. Um, my name's Artem, and um, I work 
uh, at a municipality here in Sweden um, with uh, operational development of a contact center. Well, um, a service center as we call it. So mm -hmm. not primarily with uh, anything UX, but um, it is an interest of mine. Yeah, you were one of our most uh, frequent commenters on Twitter, actually, <laughs> which is nice. So it seems you've listened to the show for a while. Yeah, well, I have. I have uh, uh, not listened to the to the recent episodes, but um, I'm trying to catch up. Mm. Awesome, that's fun. You listen to what you want to listen to or need to listen to. But I think it's really good. I always I always like hearing from listeners that are um, outside of of. Of, you know, UX, exactly. because that's that's one of our points mm. of doing the show is mm. that we want to try and um, bring in people who 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 don't sit there doing interaction design every day or user research or whatever like this. Because um, you know you, you, we've got to talk outside of our little silo. Or, because um, UX is in everything is usually yeah. our point. So it's, yeah. <laughs> that's can. actually something that I wanted to talk to you about. Well, ask your opinion. Mm -hmm. I've been hearing. Uh, several, several, or reading several tweets recently about UX not being actually about uh, the digital, although it, it, you know, it increasingly is about digital products and and apps and whatnot. Um, but I'm I'm struggling to formulate my thoughts on the subject. To me, UX is, is about so much more. It's, you know, a, a, I think you, you said that before, that it's a, more of a mindset than a set of practices that, that you do. And I'm not talking about, you know, uh, UX being more of a, uh, something, uh, more about the analog products like uh, doorknobs or, or fishing poles and, and uh, whatever interaction a user might have with those products I'm, I'm more talking about you know the soft side of uh, of things like lighting uh, in a room when you come in or or things that someone says uh, to you that makes you feel a certain way and how we can pave way for for users or, or customers or whatever you uh, might call your um, your the recipients of, of your service um, how, how they feel it and how they experience it and how they perceive whatever you're trying to achieve. So I, I know it's 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 totally random right now, but I'm I'm just trying to to um, figure out how how the non-digital fits in the the digital discourse that we have around UX. It's a it's a good question. It's a big question, yeah. um, and it. It ties in. It does tie in with things we've said earlier about this. So we, 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 we are very introspective. I think a lot of a lot of the time with as UXers, um, but out there we've we've got other things that are very close to us, um, like um, service design, experience design, um, customer experience. Um, and it all well, boils down to design. Use, we we never say usability anymore, but that's what a lot of people talk about. What really mean is usability, yeah, and accessibility. Yeah. But it's all design. It's all design. Um, and even, sometimes it's psychology, and sometimes it's communication mm -hmm. science, and sometimes it's human factors. And the and the and the bridge and the gap between digital and and physical um, is artificial. I suppose you could say we've 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 broken off on mm -hmm. a sidetrack. 
um, and are learning kind of new techniques, new tools in the digital world. But the, the basis of a lot of everything we're doing is in the physical world. Uh, and other pe- people are coming from so many angles. We talked to Heather earlier on in the in the um, phone in um, about that. We many people um, in our profession are self-taught or they're they're taught on the job. Um, they're not they're not officially educated like doctors and dentists and and um, architects um, where you go through an, an official um, schooling um, mm. to be what you are. Um, so we've got to we have got to converge at the other end of this sidetrack eventually where we where we realize that um, that digital is um, a sub speciality of mm. something bigger. I think we might have to accept that UX is part of something bigger that when you were saying Artem about uh, that how people feel and how people react to what we're saying and in certain circumstances what made me think about that made me think about communication science which is the field which I'm really educated in I studied communication science in in college Uh, and that's really about adapting your message to the people you're talking to and that's what we're doing all the time even though we're designing icons or having specific colors in our interface it's all about communication it's about adapting my message because there's always a message i'm trying to get across about the way the person or the company i want to be how i want to come across to you as friendly or fun or serious or business-like uh, i'm making all these micro decisions all the time about how i'm communicating who i am to who to you and how you will uh, understand that and then it comes down to psychology and then within the context of where I am or where I'm living or where I'm sitting currently or what types of things I like to have. If I have a MacBook Air and you have a MacBook Air, we feel instantly connected when we're sitting at a cafe together. So there's it's communication in essence. UX is a term that people are using loosely to describe something that is uh, usually digital, but as digital is becoming more and more coherent and it's easier to build websites based on bootstrap or something and people are building pretty good interaction design experience anyway realizing that we have to go beyond that and actually think about well people where are people using this website um what are their preconceptions of our company and how can we use our copywriting within this framework the interaction design how can we use copywriting to actually make them feel otherwise or, or support the way that they're already already thinking about us and help them take the right actions that we want them to take uh, within the context of our business. So I think communication is is the essence that we're all talking about. And UX, sometimes it's digital, sometimes it's not. It depends really on who you ask. It's also the, um, a degree of understanding and empathy. And that um, if we, we think about call centers or, um, or, or, or the business or something, something less digital, um, there's, there's few people that kind of set out doing bad stuff. Um, as, as Lisa said mm. um, when we chatted to her about um, a lot of time it's just ignorance you know, it's, you, you, you're not aware of certain things um, and us as UXers are, because it's something that we it's, it's, a, it's an attitude we're, we're often very aware of things even though maybe we're working with something very specific mm. we're aware of bigger issues of, of, of other yeah. things so we're concentrating on that but it's something else there so we have to there has to be a culture and a climate of, of empathy that people are willing to to listen and understand and be open hmm. to, to 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 change so they're feeling maybe threatened by it we're just we're more curious about a specific area which happens mm-hmm. to have be about humans yeah so uh, i'm looking into a lot of video right now because we're adding video calls to the tool i'm working with 
And there's things like what color should the wall be behind the person who's talking, who's taking the call, behind the doctor or behind the nurse who's taking the call. And what color should their clothes be? What can they wear? What should the first word be that they say when people connect to the call? Uh, is that UX? Is the color UX? Or is that interior design? It's like we're just... The, the focus is on the result that we want to achieve, which is the communication that feel, people feeling at ease. And whether we call it UX or not, it's not really important. The important thing is that we actually have that approach, that we care enough. And that that connects with what you're saying about empathy. That We, we need to care enough about what we're trying to achieve and we need to know what we're trying to achieve and what types of different factors can affect our success rate. But if you switch interior design mm. to back-end coder... Yeah. That, that what you're saying, you know, is the same kind of thing. Absolutely, yeah. we, we, we nag about how everyone has to yeah. be included in the process, or it doesn't really work. Yeah. You know, whether we're talking about the front and back encoders, mm. SEO, or analytics, or whether we're talking about mm. the, you know, the physical architect for the room, or the interior designer, or the um, product owner. I mean, it's it's about inclusion. Mm. Adam, what do you say? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad I set you off on the rant. Or <laughs> One thought that I that I uh, had when I heard you speak back was focusing on the goal that you're trying to achieve mm. instead of the tools mm. is so important. And uh, you know whether it's uh, UX or or whatever whatever I'm doing in my uh, at my job, you know it's uh, it's just about uh, helping people move to towards that goal. Exactly. Um, uh, and that's especially uh, important because in my area of work, because you know I'm working at a uh, in a public sector where we we don't really have um, customers. Instead, we have people we serve, or mm-hmm. there are people who essentially pay our our uh, uh, our salaries by by taxes. As I said, I'm, I was really glad to, to hear you speak because that echoes a lot of my, um, my consideration on the topic. Excellent. Yeah, I think that, that in some ways that shows it is, it's, a, it's a way of thinking rather than necessarily a profession at yeah. times. Thanks so much for calling us. I'm glad yeah. it worked out all in the end. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Simon, um, Heather and Artem for... Um, taking their time to join us on the yeah ride. it's always so excellent to not realize who's going to pop up on the screen who are we going to be talking to and thanks so much for calling because we're always afraid nobody's going to call and we even had a call from someone i don't think realized they were calling us so we had like a minute of watching oh, a train yeah, i forgot about it was that a swedish train and we were just kind of seeing the inside of this train yes. for a minute or so um, but he obviously couldn't hear us yeah uh, we saw him a couple of times but uh, hello mm. whoever you were mm. uh, anyway so if you enjoy these shows half as much as we do, then uh, the next one will be on Friday, the 11th of December, and uh, we'll be starting at 2 p.m. Central European time. Uh, but as we said before, sign up for the backstage mailing list to make sure you get the, the time zones right. Yeah, We normally put up an, um, an event on Facebook as well mm-hmm. and even on Google+, Plus, um, if anyone is actually still there anymore. Um, <laughs> so there's plenty of ways that you can have this added to your calendar. Uh, and I recommend you do that because these are mm-hmm. really good fun to do. Yeah. And also, uh, on the show notes on our website, you can also watch the, the Bamboozer live video feed of us talking through the whole two hours of the show. Two and a half hours, I think it was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Yes, you can. Mm. That's a, that fills up, fills up a rainy mm. day. Um, as well as, um, well, you can find, um, like Per says, show notes on our website, uxpodcast.com. Um, there's also a complete archive of all our previous episodes. Um, and there's also a place there to sign up for our backstage mailing list, uh, which we, of course, recommend. And we don't spam you with stuff. But we just give you UX goodness. Um, if you haven't listened before, then make sure you subscribe. And you can subscribe to us in a whole oh, magnitude of different ways. Um, if you visit uxpodcast.com slash subscribe, you can see um, a load of them there. Thank you for joining us. Remember to keep moving. See you on the other side. Beep, beep.